Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. In 1964, a guy named Larry, his mother, gave him a pair of moleskin pants. All right, oh, for Christmas, a wonderful Christmas present in her mind. But the problem was is that Larry, he was living in northern Minnesota, and these moleskin pants would like literally freeze when he went outside. And so he didn't know what to do, and so he decided that he was going to re-gift them to his brother-in-law, uh, Roy. And so that's what he did. The next Christmas, he re-gifted these, these moleskin pants uh, to Roy. And his brother-in-law, Roy, thought, well, these things are ugly. (laughs) I don't want these. So Roy returned the gift to Larry at the next Christmas by wrapping the pants as tightly as he can into a one-inch steel pipe. He put them in the pipe and gave them as a gift. And now these two yahoos passed this this gift, these pants, back and forth to each other for the next 25 Christmases, right? And each time, the packaging of this gift, of these moleskin pants, became more and more difficult to open. Uh, For example, uh, Roy sent the pants to Larry in a 600-pound safe he had welded shut. All right. Uh, the next year, Larry decided uh, and responded by sending the pants in a three-foot cube that at one time was a 1974 gremlin that had been smashed together into this cube with a note tag that said, the pants are in the glove box. Right. And they kept going. They kept going. Uh, Roy later sent the pants back in an eight-foot tire filled with 6,000 pounds of concrete and with a note that said, have a good year. You get it? Right? Tire, good year, have a good year. All right. The tradition ended when Roy tried to have the pants encased in 10,000 pounds of jagged glass. And uh, during the process, some of the glass melted and ended up burning the pants to ashes. And so uh, the, the tradition ended. And now this is, this is quite the Christmas tradition for this family. And it all started with a mom's unwanted Christmas gift, right? On her weird moleskin pants. Right? There, there are other traditions and things that we do around this time of the year that we don't really know why we do them, Right? I mean, think about it, right? For, for example, uh, lights are hanging in my house uh, everywhere. Uh, they're on my tree, they're, uh, they're uh, on wreaths, they're on garland, but I'm not really sure why there are lights on all these things. I mean, I, I hope it's because Jesus is the light of the world, and that's why we're putting up lights, right? Uh, but I'm afraid my research points me to the possibility that it might have some connection with a Norse god and his fondness for beer and a Yule log. <laughs> and it's why we do it, right? right? I mean, again, right? I, I love our Christmas tree. I, I love putting, well, not putting it up, watching Christina put it up and decorate it. Uh, but do you know why we have a Christmas tree? How the tradition started in the first place? 
Right? Some people say that it's from Roman mythology. Others say 16th century Germans uh, came up with the idea. Or even Martin Luther, the great reformer, started the whole thing. Right? No one knows. Right? Who knows why? I think it was just some savvy farmer right, who had a, had a few extra trees to sell. And still, right, we can go a, a little bit further and on a little bit serious, more serious of a note, right? Much of the, the world takes a moment to pause for this holiday, right, for, for Christmas, even though many people don't really know why. Right? We, we still hit that pause button, right? When we, when we look, though, at the first uh, announcement or proclamation of Christmas, of this holiday, when we look at that first proclamation that came from heaven to earth through the voices of angels speaking to, to shepherds out in a field, we are reminded of the why. Right? The, the why behind all the things that we're doing uh, during this Advent season. And that's what we're going to look at today. The cast member for today is the angel. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 13. And as always, if you don't have a Bible, take one of the ones that are in the seats in front of you. You can take those. They're free. They're for you. And if you're watching online and you want one, just put a comment up and we will send you one. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. And it says this. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. All right, keep your, keep your finger right there. Right? One angel, one angel explained the good news of great joy for all people that the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. Right? That the, the Savior of the world is, is being born in Bethlehem. And it's important to understand that the peace, right? the, the peace that the angel is proclaiming right now, Right, it is not a proclamation of, of world peace like, like this angel is some sort of Miss Universe at the pageant, right? right? I hope for world peace, right? It's not that kind of peace. That's not what the angel's proclaiming here, right? It, this is not a, a peace for the end of all strife and, and war and, and forever, right? That's not what's being proclaimed. Not at that moment and not for any moment in the future, right? This is not a, a direct announcement that we can now get along with our, our neighbors, right? That, that uh, Miss Whoever or Mr. Whoever who causes all the drama in our life is just going to be quiet, right? This is not that kind of announcement or, or peace that this angel is talking about. And so, so listen, Foundry, right? It, it's actually much, much bigger, right? And much more important than any of that. Right? This is what it's about, and this is what it means, this, this piece. Take, take a look. We have it there? All right. All right, there it is. All right. Through Jesus, the barrier of sin has been removed, and now we have relationship and peace with God. Right? That, that's what it's, it's talking about. And I'll look at this next, next thought here. Right? Because of the forgiveness of sin... Because of the forgiveness of sin that we have received, we have peace with God. 
God, who we are, are forging our, our life on, right? The, the peace on earth Jesus brings right, is foremost the, the peace that we can have with God through Christ. That's the peace that we're talking about, right? This peace comes from faith in Jesus and the forgiveness that follows that, right? Real quick. Flip over to, to Luke 7 in your Bibles. This isn't going to be on the, the, the screen, but, but look. All right? We see an example of this piece in, in Luke 7 being played out, right? We see a, a story of a, of a woman in this chapter who lived uh, a sinful life. It says that in verse 37. A, a woman who lived a sinful life, right? She washed Jesus' feet with her tears as she was crying, right? And with her, her hair, she washed Jesus' feet, right? In chapter 7 there. And then in verse 48, Jesus tells her what? Your sins are forgiven, right? Then in verse 50, Jesus concludes with, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace, right? Take, take a look at this next point here, Right? Because of the forgiveness of sins, we have peace with God, right? Because of the forgiveness that we have received, we have peace with God, right? No wonder the angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest. The angels declared that this peace belongs to those on whom God's favor rests. Now, one of my favorite commentaries is the expositors Bible commentary, and they say this about this idea, this, this concept. They say, those on whom God's favor rests are the little children to whom God graciously reveals truth according to his good pleasure, right? right? If it offers an example of this in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, another place in Luke, when the 72 followers whom Jesus sent out to minister returned to him, with amazing stories of power and ministry. All right, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, right, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Right? And the commentator says, yes, or Jesus says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Right, the, the Lord's favor Right, it rests on those who receive the truth and forgiveness of Jesus, and as a result, what do they do? They they pass that along to others. They they receive the truth and the forgiveness of Jesus, of God, who they're forging their life on, and they share that with others. Right. So so let's look at it like 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 this, or let's look at this. Right, passing the peace, right? Not passing the peace pipe, that's a totally different thing, but passing the peace, right? Uh, the, the thing that we've been given, right? Because Jesus brought us peace with God, one of the greatest responses that we can have to, to the amazing news is to become peace um, proclaimers, peace dealers, <laughs> Peace yellers, right? Peace proclaimers in all of our, our Christmas traditions, preparations, and all the celebrations that we've been a part of and are going to be a part of this season. 
And listen, I get it, right? And I understand that that's easier said than done because the truth is most families experience a lot of relational pressure and difficulties during this season. Right? Ain't nobody want to go see their uncle, crazy Uncle Jimmy, right? right? But you got to. It's Christmas, right? And there's a lot of stuff going on. Nearly every family gathering has at least one relative who requires a little extra love, right? A little extra grace, right? And listen, here's just a free life lesson for you. If, if you're thinking about who that relative is, it's you, all right? You're the one, <laughs> all right? Just make a note of that and maybe work on that, all right? That's what we're going to talk about today, but all right, work on that, all right? For many families, though, Advent and Christmas, the season, actually brings more strife and conflict rather than just less, let alone peace, right? As the, the ones who do, as the ones, though, who has received uh, peace with God through Jesus, right, this, this, this peace that we were talking about, we have a special opportunity, though, to proclaim peace in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, in a similar way to how the angels proclaimed that peace to us in the first place. Right? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Right? And this, this verse shows us that, that those who count themselves uh, to be children of God, people who, who said, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior, and I forge my life from top to bottom on you from now until all of eternity, right? When we count ourselves those people, the children of God, people forging our life on him, we join him in the work of proclaiming his peace and making peace with others. Now, look, I want to zoom out here for a moment and kind of kind of peel this onion in just a little bit different of a way so that we're all on the, the same page and we're very clear with what I mean uh, about peacemaking. All right, take, take a look. Peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. All right? It, totally different, right? Peacemaking is not the same as peacekeeping. When Jesus uh, brought us peace with God, he didn't create some sort of just uneasy truce. Right? That's not what he did. Right? He, he brought us back into unity and into harmony with God the Father, with God the Creator. Right? Jesus, he didn't just come here and tolerate us. Right? Right? He restored us. That's what he did. Right? He didn't make a way to endure just being with us. He made a way to be near to us and to develop a relationship with us. Right? Think of it. Of it like this. At the beginning of this last year, of, of this year that we're in, we're not in the new year yet, I'm jumping ahead. At the beginning of 2021, uh, the United Nations, the UN, had almost two dozen peacekeeping operations around the world. Almost two dozen peacekeeping uh, operations around the world. And this is how the United Nations explains what they do in these operations. This is their definition Our peacekeepers help prevent conflict to reduce human suffering, build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach their full potential. Now, we 
we all hope, right? I hope at least, that we are moving toward peacemaking. That the, the UN in their mission is moving toward uh, peacemaking. Uh, but, but peacekeeping, right, is just preventing people from acting out on the hate that's already in their hearts. Right? That, that's they're just keeping people from acting out on that hate. That's what's happening, right? It, uh, peace, peacekeeping, it, it tries to prevent conflict and keeps people from just destroying each other, right? Peacemaking, on the other hand, like it says in Matthew and what, what the angels are talking about, that peace, right? Peacemaking, what we're called to do as people forging our life on God, it goes much deeper, Right, take, take a look at this and write this down or, or take a picture of the screen. Uh, we need to get this and we need to hold this tight. Right? Peacemaking is what God did for us through sending Jesus. That's peacemaking. Right? Peacemaking restores relationship. It brings harmony. It goes beyond just avoiding and separating conflict. and brings restoration, relationship, and unity. Unity. <laughs> Jesus made lasting and restorative peace between us and God. Right? So, so aren't we glad? Right? Aren't, aren't we doing a jig of, of joy that the angels didn't proclaim and on earth tolerance to those to whom he decided to endure? Right? Aren't we glad the angels didn't come and proclaim that first Christmas? And on earth, God puts up with those on whom his favor rests. Right? Aren't we glad that that's not what was being proclaimed? Instead, he brought a true peace with God, a relationship, unity, harmony, and desire, and in will, and in relationship. Right, man? Right? For, for many of us, the, the Christmas season is a reminder uh, of the lack of peace that we have in our families, in our lives, in our communities, in our workplaces, and just the, the crud, the, the drama, the, the stuff and the gunk that is going on in our world and in, in our midst and in the world at large, right? Many of us have conflicts with, with parents, with, with children, with, with brothers, with sisters, where we just want to survive the holidays, or we just want to survive our time with them without the same old fight and antics that we experience every year. Right? Many of us are struggling to keep it together and try to cling to, to whatever peace that we can hold on to in our own hearts until it's over. And so, so lean in, Foundry Church. When I say this, right, there is more for you as you're forging your life on God this Christmas. There's a greater hope than just trying to keep it together or, or, or trying to get everything in the right way, in the right timing, right? There is more for you that this Christmas season offers and reminds us and teaches us and more that we can respond to than just reacting to, right? As a, a son or a daughter of God, right? As someone who's forging their life on God, uh, brought to God through Jesus' birth, right, death and his resurrection, you don't have to be a, a peacekeeper where you just kind of separate or, 
or create boundaries or, or rules. Right? You don't have to be a peacekeeper who has to just try to survive the holidays. Instead, right, instead you can proclaim and live in the good news of Jesus by being a peacemaker. Right? That's, that's what we get. That's the privilege that we have as his sons and daughters. Right? We get to be a peacemaker who lives and brings and proclaims peace that transforms. Peace that lasts. Real harmony. Real unity. Right? For, for example, if you decide... This is just an example. If you decide that the only way Christmas can be a success in your household is by getting everyone what they want, even though you can't afford it, or they don't deserve it, or, or they don't need it, like it's bad for them, whatever. Right? But, but, but it's the only way you think you can have peace or success in your household that Christmas, right? getting everybody everything they want, you're not proclaiming peace in your life and in the life of others, right? right? Instead, you're actually guaranteeing stress and guilt and dissatisfaction in your heart because you're fostering entitlement in the lives of, of your loved ones, right? That, that's a gift that just keeps on taking because, because the more entitled someone feels, the more they demand, Right? And you'll get to reap the payments of that over and over for months and months to come. Right? You'll get to live and relive the stress of Christmas all year long from the choices you make right now. Now, now contrast that right, to, to sitting down with your family and helping them understand what you really want Christmas to look like and giving them realistic expectations and, and talking about the true meaning, right? If, if your children or your family can only be happy if they get everything they want, maybe you'll be doing them a favor by disappointing them a little, right? Maybe you'll be proclaiming peace in their hearts that will last for the rest of their lives, and maybe you'll teach them that and yourself that, right? that your life is not completely concerned with or should be concerned with you and consumed with yourself and, and concerned only on, on you. Now, while that's just a, a, a small example, right, it, it demonstrates the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. Right? Right? Peace, peacekeeping, it just tries to appease. Right? It just tries to to patch together a little bit, right? And to keep everyone satisfied and just quietly disgruntled, right? <laughs> Tries to keep the, the mouths kind of shut for a little bit. It gives in. It doesn't want to fight. It's the easy way out, right? But peacemaking deals with the underlying issues and brings healing and restoration. That's what it brings, right? And that's what God's son Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ with us, did for us. What better way, what a better way to proclaim and demonstrate what he has done than to do the same thing in our families. Right? And that's what we're, we're talking about here. And, and to continue to peel, peel this onion, it's this. Right? It's a deeper peace. That's what we're talking about, right? One of, the, one of the dangers of this season is getting so caught up in our traditions and so wrapped up in trying to create the idyllic holiday that we forget our real mission. 
what this time is supposed to kind of spur us toward as people forging our life on God. Look at what it says. It's described in, in James chapter 3. Look at what it says. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. You can follow along with me on the screen behind me. But it says this in chapter 17 of James chapter 3. It says, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Right? Listen, this, this season, this Advent season, this Christmas season, we should be more concerned, not less concerned, with proclaiming the peace of Jesus. That's our first and foremost task. Right? We should be centered on living out the gospel with our friends and with our, our family. Right? We, we all make connections, and we all have conversations uh, with people that only come around during this time of the year. Now, now is the time to, to pray for wisdom in those connections, to pray for guidance from the Spirit of God in those conversations. Right now is the time to consider how we can proclaim God, we can proclaim Christ through that, what we say and how we act. Right now is the time to be wise, as, as James described it, to be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Listen, this, this season I am praying that God will give me the wisdom of heaven as I interact with my friends and my family. Earmuffs, Christina, and especially my in-laws. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? I'm praying that God will show me how to best proclaim the good news of Jesus by showing me when I should speak and when I should just be quiet. Right? I have learned and I am still learning that just because I'm right doesn't mean I'm righteous. Some family members and friends know how to, how to bait us, don't they? Right? into unproductive arguments or maybe even sabotage the holidays through their just weird, I don't know, other than a spiritual gift of drama, <laughs> right? <laughs> like they just have it, right? They're just drama-filled and they know how to bait us into it, right? Yeah, I see it like a, a shiny uh, fishing lure that is just lured and dangled out in front of me every Christmas, right? I, I want to argue. I want to correct, I want to fight, I want to defend. But, but it seems like every time I, I, I take that bait, rather than changing their minds, I find that it just drags me along to places that I don't really want to go. And it drags me into conversations that I don't really want to have. So sometimes we, we need to say the hard things. We need to have that, that tough talk. And do the hard things and, and be straight and be very real or, or a little harsh even. Sometimes the loving thing is to stand up for what is true. But other times, right, the, the righteous thing is to just lay down our need to be right. And so we need to pray for wisdom and guidance to see which one is which at the moment, right? right the, the loving thing is to avoid taking the bait and getting distracted 
did from the real mission of proclaiming Jesus and sharing the love and the power of God with everyone and anyone who is ready and who's willing to listen to it. That's the purpose. Right? That's why a peace proclaimer needs the wisdom of heaven during our peacemaking missions. Right? Man. Right? Foundry Church, I, I am praying that this year you can proclaim his peace to your family and friends like you've never done it before. That they know the peace that you have, the joy that you have, the power that you have, the grace that you've experienced from forging your life on God, and that they can have that same thing. I'm praying that, that they, they, they hear, hear that, that they feel that in you, the, the presence of the Spirit, and that you can lead them in that. Right? Sometimes people, people want understanding and help on the other side of that, right? Sometimes, sometimes they just want to hide behind an argument too, right? And I pray that God will give us the wisdom and the discernment to see the difference and not to take the bait so that we can lead people our family, to Christ. Right? Part, of, part of being in a family or even in a long-term friendship is bumping up against one another. Right? It happens. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing sometimes, right? It reminds me of, a, of an old uh, preacher story. Of, of, this, is, this is funny. Of two molecules. Right? Two molecules were walking down the street. And I don't know why they were walking down the street, but these molecules were walking down the street, and one molecule bumped into the other molecule, right? And, and he, said, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And the second molecule replied in anger, no, I'm not okay, I've lost an electron. And the first molecule just said, are, are you sure? And the second one said, I'm positive, right? The whole sermon can be boiled down to that. Now, if you typically have relational struggles during the season, remember that most people aren't born Annoying, rude, opinionated, and cruel. It's not born that way, despite how, how he acts. Right? Even your, your crazy cousin Eddie was made in God's image. Right? Right? Remember that, that people become annoying, rude, opinionated, and angry because of what the world throws at them and how they choose to react to it and not respond. Right? They react poorly and they don't, they don't respond by forging their life on God and, and his ways. Right, look, look at this. The one thing we all share is brokenness. Everybody. Everybody in the world. All of our families and all of our friends. The one thing we share is brokenness. And the one thing we all need is grace. Right, a peacemaker who is working to proclaim Jesus will try to get beyond the rough exterior. Right? A peacemaker will show mercy, remembering that even more than our opinions, everyone ultimately needs Jesus. Right? I've never yet argued someone into a relationship with Jesus, and I've tried, right? but I have loved a number of people into the kingdom of God. Certainly, right, love is tough, but sometimes love is just quiet and patient and listens. Right in the midst of all of our traditions and all of our, our, our parties and celebrations and, and connections this season, don't forget how precious people are 
to God. The God that we're forging our life on. Even the most belligerent, difficult, and draining people are precious to God. So much so that Jesus came to earth so that they could also have peace with God. True peace with God. As the band comes up, listen, before you proclaim peace, right, before you, you look at this deeper peace and you proclaim it and you're a peacemaker for God, right, before you proclaim peace, you need to possess it, right? It comes down to that, right? No one expects you to be perfect. No one expects you to be perfect. However, it is difficult to proclaim the message of God's peace when you're stressed out, overwhelmed, and exhausted, Right, our, our proclamation must, must first begin with us accepting and embracing the peace that we have in God. The power of peace that we obtain as we forge a life on him. So if you've already made Jesus your Lord, the forgiver of your life, your Savior, you're forging your life on him. Listen, remember, peace is the presence of God in our lives you got to have that. So you seek after him daily. You forge your life on him daily to proclaim it, to be a peacemaker. And if you're not there yet, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, there is no greater peace. There is no greater thing you can do with your life. It's how you live your best life. Not the easiest of lives, but a life that's forged on God. A life abundantly, a life to the full, a life of deep peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is our Lord. So my challenge to you is to accept him, to make him the Lord of your life. And if you want to do that, if he is your Lord, or if you want him to, to, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, I would love to talk to you after the service. I'll be up here. And there's no better time to do that during this Christmas season. A few more weeks left, another Sunday, Christmas Eve. Man, accept him. Hear his word, believe it, put it into play. Say, Lord, as Peter said, the great confession, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I accept you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I meet you in the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Spirit. And I'm going to live for you. No better time to do that than right now, the next couple weeks. So let's stand. If he is your Lord, remember that peace is the presence of God in your life and that you're going to commit after him. And if you have it and you want to talk to me, I'll be up here right now or after the service. Don't let it go any longer. Let's stand and continue to worship him.